I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragonheart. Hello, and welcome to Dragonheart, the first uh, of a while. Uh, I'm your host today, Bill Long. Joining me is uh, R. Neil Williams, uh, Mark Griffiths, and Laszlo the Cat. Possibly, <laughs> possibly Che a little bit later, but we'll we'll see if he can make it on. So um, we're going to start off by talking about the South End game, uh, guys. It was a it was a cold one, that wasn't it? <laughs> cold, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to... <laughs> I was really annoyed because it was f- finally cold enough to have Bovril. Because as you know, I have very strict criteria about Bovril. You got to have it in a football ground. It's got to be absolutely freezing. Um, but I didn't get a chance to go down and get some bottles, so I was a bit, a bit disappointed in myself, to be honest. There, eh? yeah, it's going to be the coldest, coldest game this season, I think, and it, it was bitter, you know, with snowing before the game and during the game, and uh, yeah, a bit of a cold day and a bit of a cold game, really, wasn't it? Wasn't a lot to yeah. be excited about, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's just as just as much a, a measure of how good of a side South End are, and and the conditions are always a little bit of a leveler, but you've got to give them credit. You know, they're pushing for the playoffs. They're not, they're no chumps, are they, Mark? Well, they certainly aren't, which was why I did have a sort of sinking feeling beforehand. We did, we worked so hard to get that game on. And I, I couldn't help thinking, <laughs> so we don't have something ironic going on where mm-hmm. they then win it, having put so much effort in. Because, I mean, fair play, the, the efforts of the, of the staff were, were astounding, weren't they, really, to get that? I didn't think it was possible to get the game on. No, well, it's it's almost something of a bit of a football tradition, isn't it, getting the fans and the, every sort of bit of the parts of the staff to come on and, and, and help clear up. But, you know, to, to see Phil Parkinson and uh, uh, Sean Harvey and Fleur Robinson all mucking in as well was great, wasn't it? Yeah, um, But the, the the efforts of the ground staff to keep to keep it on, Fair dues. That's that's impressive, and it's it's saved the 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 club a bit of a headache with fixture congestion, doesn't it, Neil? Yeah, definitely. So it's the last thing we want is to have a cancelled game. You know, we want to go get the game on, and, and as we did, we win, we won three points, which is all we could ask for at the end of the day. It wasn't a great game to watch. We had little or few, well, we had few chances. Restricted South End to very little chances, to be honest. They, although they had a lot of possession. They didn't create a lot in front of our goal, and and Leighton had one of his quite quite his games of the season. I just said, and I think yeah, that's... absolutely. Sorry, oh, go on, Bill. Sorry. Although, absolutely, I, I, it's quite funny that um, my mum, who, who I usually go with, was sat next to me, and, and she was really nervous. She came out and she's like, "Oh my god, I thought we were gonna we were gonna lose that." I was, uh, "Why were you so calm?" And I just, I, I don't know why. Like, I'm I'm usually quite jittery at the football, but I just felt like they just didn't they just didn't trouble us. I think as I commentate more and more, Mark, and I, maybe this is like the effect that, that you have on me, is that I'm starting to look at the game more and more as as what it is rather than getting too emotionally invested. And when you break that down, like you say, Neil, like Leighton didn't have to do anything, did he really? No, he had maybe one easy save to make during the whole 90 minutes. I mean, they were, they were great keeping possession of the ball, um, South End were, but they weren't hurting us. They were just passing across the back. You know, whatever came in, our defence dealt, you know, dealt with really well. As we all saw, Tony Cliff got injured through uh, a clash of heads again. And, uh, you know, I thought our defence played really well. And to say they didn't create a lot in front of goal. Yes, we won it. But uh, some referees may not have given that goal for Wrexham. But uh, a goal is a goal and three points is three points. So I've watched it a few times and I still can't decide what happened. Well, oh, oh, so I was going to just say quick fire. If gun to your head, Neil, foul or no foul? Foul. Mark? Foul. Um, no. At, at the time, and <laughs> cheers, Mark. At the time, at the game, I fought foul. Having watched it, I would probably still say foul, but I don't think it's as bad of a decision as maybe some of the South End fans are making out. That's a tough one to call for the referee. It's a bit of a, I think it's a bit of a 60-40 because the contact is really minimal in my eyes. I don't think he's really, he, he's, it's a foul because he's touched the keeper, but it's not as if he's gone in with his, his elbow or his shoulder and really properly nudged him. He's just sort of like patted it down, isn't he really? I mean, my, my arguments as a, an ex-goalkeeper, an ex-failed goalkeeper, <laughs> admittedly, but still, 
is that you know people talk about goalkeepers being overprotected. I I don't really think that's the case. Uh, they can be. Don't get me wrong, but I felt that you know if you if you're trying to catch the ball over your head, the slightest contact on your arm is a foul because it will make you drop the ball. I mean, imagine it. You know, <laughs> your arms up above your head. So the only points of contact on the ball are your hands either side. And if somebody knocks your arm only a little bit, if you, once your arm shifts out of position by an inch or two, that ball's gone. And you look at um, <clears throat> you look at the keeper, look, just follow the ball into his hands. And you see his hands coming together like he's about to clap because his arm's been nudged. I don't think it's more than a nudge. I accept. But that's enough to push it past his hand and into the net. And for me... It's not a case of intent. It's a, it's a case of he's interfered with the goalkeeper, and it's a foul. But you know, other things aren't. Like for example, I'm, I'm not just going to blindly say all challenges in the keeper are fouls. And um, that Eastley playoff, when we have the goal disallowed when Sean Pearson jumps with the keeper, he 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 knocks him on that on the top of the head. That that's not affecting his ability to hang on to the ball. He hasn't hit him hard enough to do that. That's not a foul. So I'm not trying to say. If you touch the keeper, it's a foul. I'm just saying that I think if you knock a keeper's arms at full extension, I think that's a foul because you know he dropped it because of contact. Well, t- welcome for joining us, Che, for the audio listens who who were just we won't be seeing Che dropping into the the Zoom call. Gun <laughs> gun to your head, uh, foul or no foul? Foul. South end goal. Yeah, foul. <laughs> Play a foul. But- He's not dropping that, but it's it's put, it's not a great goalkeeping. I've got to say, it's not the best goalkeeping. He should maybe be doing better, but Mullen pushes his arm. It's quite clear, and that's enough to put the goalkeeper off. For me, it's a foul, and if it was given against Wrexham, I'd be pretty furious. I mean, Che, as an MMA man, am I right in saying that there, there there are some places on the body you can hit, which will get a drastic reaction, and others that will yeah. make no impact at all. And my argument is yeah. that knocking a keeper's outstretched arms, you don't have to knock it much for him to lose control of the ball. It's that that sort of yeah. comparison. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that, especially with an outstretched arm. He's not expecting someone to push his arm, is he, at all? How the hell are you meant to react to that? So it's got to be a world-class keeper that's going to react to that. And most referees would give that as a foul, in my opinion. It's not much contact, but it's enough for a foul. Mm. In the commentary, I didn't get excited until I realised the ref was running, was pointing towards the middle of the pitch. I thought, hang on, he has, I think I said in the commentary, hang on, he has given it. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I was really, I was shocked, I've got to be honest. But hey, not knocking it. Yeah, I, well, I, yeah, I'm not knocking it at all. It's, uh, it's, it's got us three points in a very, very tough game in very, very tough conditions. Yeah, I think yeah. it's one of those goals that none of us got excited about, did we? No, no, <laughs> you didn't think it was a goal. I mean, I wasn't in the commentary box, but I didn't really particularly get excited either. I thought I thought it was going to be blown up for a foul, and then it, I think it was probably why the the whole crowd was a bit subdued. So I think everyone was sort of expecting it to be a uh, uh, called off, really. Um, no. Yeah, but three three points is three points, and you know that comes in a, in a really difficult period that we haven't really been able to cover because we've been Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and it's not really given us a lot of time to do Dragon Heart. Uh, how, how would you all rate the month of February out of 10? 10. <laughs> yeah. Jay? Let, let me refresh on the results. So I, I'm, can I, can I, I'll go through, I've got them up here if you want. Yeah, so go on, please. Is 2-1 win at Altrincham. 3-1 yeah. loss at Sheffield United. Yeah. 3-1 yeah. win at home to Wealdstone. Two all draw at home to Woking. Four three win away to Aldershot. Uh two nil win at home to Scunthorpe. Three one win at home to Dorking. Two one win at home to Chesterfield. Now we have the three games in March. Right. So it, I mean, I suppose it, if you do that as a period, then what are the three games in March then? Sorry, Mark. So oh, I did, okay. I, so it's been such a, it's been it's been such a long period. I've kind of like forgotten like how much of it it's it's spanned really. Yeah. So Maidenhead two two away, then Dagenham four 0 win away, and 
finally the one nil against South End. So how many games is that? So give me an, a reaction, and I'll quickly count up those matches and see what the, the totals are. <laughs> I think for for me, uh, that's that's a fantastic period of games, and it feels like a lifetime ago since we played Sheffield United. But mm. it wasn't even really, you know, it was like a month ago, wasn't it, Che? Yeah, I, I'd give it if it was out of ten, I'd give it an eight point five, not quite a ten, because a ten for me is when you win every single game. Uh, which is very hard to do, but you know the, the the results we didn't get out of in February were against good sides, mm. so it's it's hard really to complain. And we we're not getting smashed from pillar to post. It, we played some good sides and got and got at least a point out of a lot of a lot of teams. So nothing to complain about at all, really, is there? As a bit of context, Notts County have dropped more points in their last three games than we have since the start of February. Well, yeah, there you go then. They won every other game in February, but still. I think it's crucial that we've got those games in hand, played and won as well. Yeah. I think that's really important that we be able to cash in on those. You know, Oh, yeah. Well, we've we've all said it's at some point during either the commentary or Dragonheart uh, before this huge period. We, one of us or all of us will have said we'll know who's going to like look to like they're going to win the title after this period. And I still don't think it's one hundred percent clear because the margin's not quite big enough yet. But we're in pole position, Neil, aren't we? Oh, definitely. So you know, if if you just said we, you know, we're on the longest unbeaten run in history, I think Mark is that correct? Uh, in the league, yeah. Yeah. And to go throughout February with games, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, again without losing. Yes, there were some close games. Maidenhead, we should have won, but, you know, we know what happened there. Um, and Woking were a very, very good, good team when they came to the race course. Um, so I, I, I'm more than happy, you know, to be, as Mark said, you know, we've won our games in hand, which has put the pressure on County. Um, not a lot of us would have expected that. Um, everybody said, oh, you've got games in hand, but games in hand are not points on the board. And to go out and win those games in hand and then go to Dagenham was my biggest fear on Tuesday. And they got, went there and smashed it and played absolutely excellent. So um, that's why I, I think as a team, they've done that far beyond what, what my expectation would have been for, for the beginning of the year with the number of games they've had to play. Oh, well, well. I think prior to those run, run of games, I think the pressure was on Notts County. Not on, on us, not Notts County. And I now think the tables have turned. They're going to have to get results every game. That, that On the time of recording, they're playing Eastleigh in the next 45 minutes. If they don't get a result there, that, that just puts so much pressure on them every week then. So that means we, if we just carry on winning or avoid losing, it's just packed points on the board. It's just it, the gap's just going to get further and further if they're not on it all the time. And and role reversal on that, Che. Even if they do win or get a point tonight, we're we're still top of the table, aren't we? It doesn't really matter because we'll be top of the table with with a game in hand. So yeah, like Neil said, it's not points on the board having a game in hand, but it it's less pressure, isn't it, Mark? Exactly right. Those those numbers, by the way. For us, are one eight drawn two in the league and lost one to Sheffield United. So I mean, you know, you can't argue with that, can you? Really, especially as you said, when there were extenuating circumstances around at least one of the draws and the other one we were winning late on. Yeah, exactly. We just got to keep going, keep going, be relentless, and then every every tiny slip up by Notts County will feel like a total disaster for them. It'll just leave them that bit further behind the side that just can't stop winning. So we've just got to keep that momentum up, haven't we? What do you think about the rotation of the squad? Because, I mean, I mean you know, he's rested players on occasions. People you know, raised a few eyebrows, but you can't argue with the results, can you? The, the I think squad, it works. Sorry, go on, oh, Jay. No, no sorry. Oh, sorry. The, the squad depth we have is just insane, you know. We've had Tom O'Connor, who's gone off injured. He was one of the top players in League One last season at times. Um, we've replaced with Andy Cannon, who was on a, on the books for Championship Club. Uh, you know, Luke Young's had a break. And we've had Jordan Davis come back into the squad. And soon Tom O'Connor and Aaron Hayden are back to 
training apparently. So, you know, we've rotated the center halves and we're still getting success. This this squad depth is just absolutely ridiculous and in my opinion is what's going to win us the title. That's what separates us and Notts County. I think Notts County's first 11 are as good, if not a little bit better. First 11 is good, if not a little bit better than Wrexham's, arguably. Um, but we've just got such a crazy depth that they, they, they can't compete with it, in my opinion. Especially when you look at the injuries we've had. I've just got it up mm-hmm. now on the, you know, the, that period of time. So it's 11 games. Well, we've missed Leighton for one game, Ford for four, Hull Johnson for ten, uh, Hosanna for six, McFadgen for five, Hayden for all 11, uh, Tunnicliffe for four, O'Connell for two, plus one game he was cup-tied in, O'Connor for eight of them, and Jordan Davis for five of them. I mean, that's a lot of injuries to have to deal with. And yet, like you say, that squad depth has meant that we've been able to cope with it. It's obscene, isn't it, really, how good, how good the squad is? I mean, like, could... Look, November time, you probably could have been quite comfortably said what our uh, first choice 11 was. Could could I don't think I could pick what our strongest 11 is now, especially after adding Barnett and O'Connell to the squad. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd really struggle to pick a, a first 11 if, if everybody was fit and available. Yeah. Oh, I think I could, but it'd be the midfield that I'd struggle with the most. And if I could throw a curveball in there, uh, the current back three of Tozer, O'Connell and Tunnicliffe, three very, very solid football league level centre-backs, look like a brilliant unit. They've played three games so far. We have not let a goal in with those three together. But Aaron Hayden. <laughs> I mean, wow. I, I think I, I personally think you put Aaron Hayden when if Aaron Hayden's fully fit, mm. uh, every player at their at their fittest, I think Aaron Hayden is one of the first names on the team sheet because of his goal threat as well as his defensive aerial threats as well. I'm, I'm certainly so, not disagreeing with that, but I but my goodness, it's a it's a good unit, the one we've got at the moment as well. <laughs> and then who 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 do you drop for Aaron Hayden out of that back three yeah. though at the moment? Because exactly. you can't drop Tozer because of but, what he but, what he possesses. Yeah, it's it's no, I'm, I'm not. You know, I think you're right because Hayden's goals just about tip it for us. But who who do you replace? Because I can't choose between O'Connell and Tunnicliffe. Yeah, but what a great position to be in, isn't it, guys? Oh you know? yeah, fantastic. Yeah. When was the last time we were able to bring on a like for like player or even a better player bring on as a sub? You know. Um, you know, you mix it up on Tuesday at uh, Dagenham and it worked really well. And he started with the same 11 on, on Saturday where I didn't think it did work as well. No. Whether Lee was tired, I don't know. Um, but I think uh, Barnett's been a class player coming on for us. You yeah. know? He's, he's yeah. been a great winger there and he'll take on the defence and his balls in the box have been excellent. Yeah. I think the pitch paid a part on Saturday as well, didn't it? You know, ball players like Lee and Cannon found it hard to get the ball moving, I thought, on there. I mean, that's not a criticism of the ground staff because they've done a phenomenal job, but inevitably yeah. that pitch was quite claggy and slow. Surely it has to be, but the, the battering it's taken. So, um, and being covered. And I think that was a big part of it. What did you think of, um, well, Parkinson implied it and Toza outright said it, that the win on South End was one of the very best performances of the season. What, how, how do you see that? Mm-hmm. No, I, I I think that is the type of thing um, that maybe a, a squad that know how hard they've worked mm-hmm. to get that result would be able to say. But in terms yeah. of being a fan and watching it, it wasn't it wasn't better because how entertaining was that Dagenham game? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think they're right. I, I, I'm sorry, I I think. When good, really good teams have their backs against the wall against, say, a good team like South Bend. I remember a good few years ago when Liverpool won the league in... How many years ago was that? They played uh, Aston Villa yeah. and they got battered throughout the 90th minute, but then came back and scored two in the last minute. And they mentioned that as their best performance of the season because they came yeah. back from a really tough game and ended up winning. And I think that's what great sides do when you're not playing at your best and you still win. Yeah, it, uh, 
it's satisfying as a big result. As it, it was as satisfying, if not more satisfying than Dagenham for me. Yeah, I think to get that result, and as Neil said, to do it in a way where, okay, we did not play our best football. Okay, the goal was very dubious, but we never, ever looked like letting a goal in. Um, it's a it's a massive three point start, isn't it? Especially as it keeps us with that four point gap. It's a fantastic achievement, and especially because that was the seventh Saturday in a row where we played the Tuesday before. Seven weeks of a game every two games every week, and maybe they, you know maybe they looked like they needed a bit of a rest, but they still dug deep and got the win first. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, go on, Neil. I I totally agree with you, Mark. You know, he's a a hard fought dugout, you know, they grit mm. they ground out the win on Saturday and they and they worked very hard for it. They defended very well. And I think as you say, the pitch maybe took a lot out of them because it was heavy and uh we couldn't play any any tick the football, pretty football on the pitch. But uh yeah, I mean, yes, the team played really well as a team, you know, keeping uh South End out. But as as you said, um Bill, you know, it wasn't the prettiest performance for a, a fan to watch or, or us as commentating, but it is three points. It keeps us four points clear of uh, of Notts County, and but I still wouldn't say it was our best performance of, of the season. You know, maybe where we've come back from a couple of goals down or a goal down and gone and won it, it'd be for me would be a, a far better performance. But uh, it was a hard ground out win on Saturday. It really was. And I would say as well, you know, some people have maybe suggested that oh, you know, we haven't been playing as well during this period. I wouldn't hold to that at all. Uh, but 10 league games in this period, 23 goals. I would say any team that's scoring an average of, and I know Rene Descartes, but I reckon 2.3 goals per game probably is playing pretty well. Yeah, the bar's just been set that high and the standards are so high. Yeah. And and I, know, I think there's an element of of the, of the tension uh, that's involved with uh, the current running um, skews people's opinions a little bit. Yeah. I think at the moment, as well, the atmosphere is affected by that tension. Um, the the game was a, was a little bit on the quiet side, and it has been for for a couple of the games during that period. Um, for the South End fans, are absolutely fantastic, and and um, what what a fan base, and you know what what they're going through at the moment is is uh, un- unthinkable. We know what how that feels, but at the same time, um. What is that that you're dangling there, Mark? I can't quite see it. Well, for the audio listeners, don't be alarmed. Uh, <laughs> that's my <laughs> scarf that I bought last week. The Shrimpers Trust, despite the fact that oh, they're okay. so hard to, to make money for the club to keep it its head above water, um, also have a bit of perspective about themselves. And so they made uh, South End United Ukraine joint scarf because they're both of the same colours. And they were selling them off and giving all the money to um, charities to help Ukrainian, char- uh, the, you know, the people in Ukraine. And so I got mine last week. I felt a, a little bit of guilt about the fact that I bought it three days before Wrexham played Southend, but not nonetheless. And surprise, surprise, it's actually come signed by the manager and the coaching staff. So oh, play. that's my artifact of Southend, not Ukraine. So. There's no Oleg blocking autograph on there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, and 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 good luck to 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 South End, especially if they're doing things like that in their hour of need. That's impressive, you know, that to be able to raise money for charity when the club desperately needs a bit of cash as well. Fair play to them, and uh, they held that that uh, banner up that, that thanked the Wrexham fans for their support. There was the chant. You know, we don't need to get into the politics. I'm sure anybody with with Google on their phone can have a quick look to see what's going on there, but. Uh, good luck to South End fans, and and I hope they have a, a a successful rest of the season. Just obviously not against us on Saturday. That's that's we wanted the three points, and then they can they can do as much damage as they want to the league from now on. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> but yeah. Th- but going back to the atmosphere a little bit, like I, I, again, you know, you you guys are in the commentary box is a little bit different for for you. I thought it was a bit flat, but I think people are really tense at the moment, and you can you can hear that from the comments in the in the stands. How does it come across to you guys? I'll have to upset myself from this because I thought the atmosphere was fantastic on Saturday, to be honest. Looking back... Sorry, go on, Shane. Looking back, I think the South End fans are making more noise than us. Yeah, they definitely were, 100%. I do 
I do think away fans should do though. Mm. Yeah, in my opinion, it's, it's if you've got a good away following, it's a lot easier to generate atmosphere. In my opinion, usually it's a away followers are usually people who are up for it, aren't they? And they and they tend to go the 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 kind of hardcore that are going that sort of distance in that weather are, are going to be the same people who go for the most part are going to be the same people who go week in week out to, to away games as well, aren't they? So they're going to know each other, they're going to know the chance, they're going to know. Wow, you, you know what I'm getting at, don't you? Yeah, well, even, even Parky was there on Saturday, wasn't he? Trying to get the fans involved. He was there on the sidelines there, trying to get the the sand we were in, getting singing and getting the the crowd behind the team because. It, the team needed to have fans behind him on Saturday just to get him over the line, I think. I think it did pick up in the last five, five ten minutes, but I think before that it was a little bit um, flat at times. But pe- people are tense. It's We're coming yeah. towards the, the the closest we've ever been in the National League to, to going up, and it, it can't be underestimated how important that is to a lot of people. Totally yeah. agree. Uh, I still reckon it was a cracking atmosphere, you people. Uh, maybe, maybe we're just spoiled now, Mark. For some, yeah, that's some it. Um, I liked Barnett on his home debut doing the same as Neil mentioned about Parkinson. You see him running down yeah, the, yeah. the pitch, revving people up. Oh, that was that was great. That guy bought into things straight away, didn't he? Here's a quiz question. Two oh, players, in these 11 games since the start of February, two players have started every game. Who are in they? February. So again, in February, from the start of February to now. Ah, right, okay. Two pl- and one of them was on the pitch for every single minute. I think I okay. I think right. I've got it. But go on, yeah, Tozer. Tozer was on the pitch every single minute, and Mullin. Oh, wasn't that good a yeah. quiz question? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, did my best Mullen. on it. But Mullin was substituted a couple of times, so he wasn't on the pitch the whole time. No, yeah, two of them started. Outside, my apologies. Toza was on the pitch for every minute of them. But yeah, yeah, yeah okay. quite a lot. Yeah. Here's a question for you then. I think Toza has a shout to be player of the season. Does ever, anyone else agree? Yeah, hundred percent. I think he he won't get it because it's almost like player of the season, especially the fans' player of the season is almost like a pop. I'm going to sound harsh saying this. It's almost like a popularity contest, isn't it? Not, not in a bad way, because if, let's say, Mullen wins it, he deserves to win it. But Tozer is like a, he's like an 8 out of 10 every game, isn't he, basically? And he probably is a player of the season just because he's so reliable. Yeah, I, 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 I put Luke, right, Luke Young on. as well along there. Yeah. I mean, for but me... Tozer, say most, oh, sorry, go on. Mostly, mostly to the strikers get the player of the season, don't they, because of their prolific goal scoring. So, and... Uh, and that's what the fans like to see. Except when you get yeah. relegated, the the keeper wins it. From Mark, <laughs> Mark Morris winning it, the year became bottom of the fourth division. And quite rightly. I mean, you know, he was brilliant because goalies have so much more to do in those seasons, don't they? Um, <laughs> uh, I I think Toza is... I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm being a bit naive saying this, but I feel he's underrated by a lot of fans. I think yeah. maybe they just assume... That you know he's all right, and the the centre backs who uh, play other side of him get to go to the pitch a bit more, and that catches people's eyes. And I've often heard people sort of expressing doubts about Tozer, and I, I can't see that at all. For me, he's utterly rock solid. He, like you said, I like that he's a consistent sort of like seven eight out of ten every single game. Um, apart quite apart from the long throws, and all right, I've heard people saying he, he lacks a bit of pace. I think he'd admit that, but he's very good. I think I've said before, he's very good when people run at him, but siphoning him off to the side of the pitch and not letting him get past until supporters come back. Uh, he's a canny customer. Plus, I think having a bloke like him on the pitch, whether he wears the armband or not, who is constantly demanding high standards and, and holding people to those standards... That's what you need on the pitch. You need people who are who are not going to accept anything more than than the best, and because that's how you you get these sorts of runs when you need them, isn't it? Because he's there saying, "No, that's not good enough. Don't do that again," and just keeping everybody going. I tremendous yeah. signing, Tozer. Tremendous leader. Tremendous centre back. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a bit of everything, isn't he? Uh, and that long throw can is just such a big. 
part of our identity, isn't it, and how we play. Tozer, he's really like the anchor of the, of the first 11, isn't he? He's, he's so, so important. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, use to of, make Tozer's play of the season so far. His use of the ball is so good uh, as well. Yeah. And, and if you watch him, he is so relentlessly trying to play ambitious passes. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, for a centre-back, you know... He, he, I want to say he risks possession a lot, but actually, is you know, he reads situations well. He gets the wide players involved early. He doesn't tend to miss the mark. He, he, but he's always he's a very front foot sort of player. I feel he's always looking to play those diagonals and get the ball forwards early and get us at the opposition as well. And in that sense, I agree, Chair. I think he's he sets that tone that we are relentless. We keep going forwards. We keep getting at teams. Um, and, and so I think he, he fulfills an awful lot of, of roles like that. Yeah, and I mean, he, even his ability to recycle the ball after the long throw-ins, you know, it's, it, yes. it's he's always there for the second ball if it, if it comes out. Because I think I, I've often said sort of Parkinson's a, a percentage manager, and I know you don't always quite agree, Mark, but um, that that is... that long throw opportunity if if it's thrown in at the angle that it comes at it's more likely to come back to him or somebody who can recycle it back to him and he's got such a good cross with both feet for a center back it's ridiculous exactly he can beat people like you say crossing with both feet and and i know it's an obvious thing to say but they know he's there and he holds that wide position so you know, if the throw comes back out, we pen them in, and the player on the edge of the area, Cannon did it a couple of times really well at the start of the match on Saturday, just knows he's there, just ping straight across. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, an, it's an easy pass, but it's a pass that causes a major problem for the other side because they've evacuated that part of the pitch by then to defend the penalty area. And he's got space. He's often got a, a, an overload, a player with him. One person comes out to meet them. They can pass it around them. It's, it's, it's brilliantly... Um, fashioned isn't it really it's simple but it's incredibly effective and a lot of chances come from either the throw or what happens next didn't he score the winning goal at Oldham was that from a throw in yeah. and he stayed up there no that was a corner I want to say it was a separate penalty penalty the winning goal the winning was was it at Oldham yeah, yeah. But he, but he was the equaliser wasn't he yeah, yeah. still late it, he's got yeah. a strike <laughs> on him yeah yeah, yeah, he's a real date. He's a really, really good player. Any other year, he'd have been comfortably our player of the season. But we've just got such a deep squad that it, it, he'll probably yeah. go slightly unnoticed in those awards. Only when he when he maybe shouldn't. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think I think we've sort of covered that period as much as we can. Any any final thoughts on on our February to March run, guys? I think we're in a better position after it than before. And that's quite a compliment considering, yeah. like I said, all those seven weeks of non-stop. It's quite something that they've got through it like they did. It's I've got one thing to say. It's not over yet, though. Notts County are very, very good. Oh, and we need to keep keep consistent. Yeah. And uh, I must say, uh, I watched Notts County against Dorkin for the most part. And I look at the highlights. They are a very, very good side. Uh, I got to say, the, I think us and them, you could argue the two best sides that have ever been in the national league. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be absolutely criminal that one of these teams is going to be in the playoffs, and it'll be even more criminal if if that team doesn't go up, regardless of who it is out of the two of us. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Although I will say they didn't kill Dorkin off till about six seven minutes left. Just, just, just putting yeah. it out there. They still did it though, Mark, staff. didn't they? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Langstaff is some striker. He is some he is, some yeah. striker. Yeah. And he's gonna make a great addition to our squad next season. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's right. If Goldie gets a knock, we need a fourth player, don't we? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, well, we're just gonna take a quick break. I'm Harry Lennon, and this is Dragon Heart. So we've got a few important games coming up now, gents, haven't we? There's there's a, not a lot of uh, matches left, especially home games. And one thing that I think is a bit of a worrying trend that I've started, and I'm sure you guys have started to notice it as well, on um, 
uh, uh, on social media is the sort of rise in people asking for tickets, which is completely understandable, but particularly um, uh, people potentially selling tickets beyond the asking price. Now, personally, if you, I know there's a, a, for example, there's a thread on Red Passion where people offer their spare tickets out. I think for the most part, everybody's asking for face value. They just don't want a ticket to go to waste. Um, but I did also notice a thread on on Reddit recently where uh, there was some I find unsavory comments about potentially taking money down to the race course and not offering large sums to people who've got tickets to try and buy their ticket off them. Now that in itself is you know like pe- people can can make their own decisions if if. Uh, Someone offered me £200 for my season ticket. I'd personally say no. But there's going to be some people out there who who may be able to afford a season ticket at the start of the season, but might look at that and think, hmm, £200 over halfway to paying for my season ticket for next year. I'll take that. My main problem with that is that you start to create an economy for touts. So as soon as people catch wind that uh, there is, there is a, a market out there for people who will pay extortionate amounts of money, you're more likely to encourage people, be it locals or, or people not from the area or international or, or whatever it is, buying tickets solely for the purpose of, of um, selling them. It's it's really worrying because it's not just people online that I've seen this with. I, I'd heard a story, and I, I won't name people where I heard it from, of, of someone who does buy tickets and sells them on for £50. Now, that's over double what a ticket is worth. And I'm sure with the demand for tickets at the moment, that is, and that's someone who's who's local who's doing this. Who, they're probably making that money back, and and and, he, and you know, so what? Even if they don't make the fifty quid, they've got a ticket there. They can either go themselves or or sell it for face value. It's a really low risk thing if you can get hold of one, but actually, it deprives people of of a ticket. Um, the Erection fan as well, are they Erection fans? I, I don't I don't know them personally. I've just heard okay. this that the person the person who was offered the ticket is a Wrexham fan. I don't know whether this person is a Wrexham fan or not, but they are local. Um and and you know, Neil, you, you mentioned you see it on Facebook and stuff as well. It, well it's it's, it's I, magnified I, I, because there's so many Americans coming over now for games. Yeah. They, they've pre-booked their tickets for their flights in advance. You know, and then they try and get tickets for the game after that. And there's like families upon families upon families in the next few weeks coming over to Wrexham wanting to have tickets for the game. There was a family of six looking for tickets for the North County game. And I think it's just going to grow and grow. And there's actually scams out there. You see it all the time on there. People post them where they don't even know the ground. They're offering tickets for parts of the ground that's not even there, you know. I know some Americans have already got scammed and and lost money when they thought they were buying a ticket for games, you know. Well, I I, I can sort of relate relate to that. I was in in Lisbon in November, um, and there was a Champions League game on, and, and usually sport in Lisbon uh, as a club are really easy to get tickets for, even for your bog standard Champions League game. But it was a little bit of an important one, and um, the website's all in Portuguese. I didn't know what was going on until I got there, and it was it was just sold to members, which was unprecedented because they usually always sell it to. It's always completely open. They've got a massive stadium. They never really fill. Um, I got convinced uh, to to part with some money. It, it wasn't a lot. It was about 50 euros, which I was willing to... I realised there was a chance it was going to be a scam, but I was willing to part with that for the opportunity to maybe go to the game. But I feel like I, I, I didn't feel too bad about it because I, I knew that there was that risk involved. It was kind of like, yeah, okay, there's a chance that this person's having me on, but if you go onto a, a resale website, they're they're 200, 300 euros. So I can part with 50 euros and it will be disappointing if I don't get a ticket, but at least it's not um it's not gonna cost me 300 <laughs> euros or whatever. This is this is a this is really this is a really dangerous precedent. And I, I don't like the idea of people encouraging other people to take large sums of money to try and get tickets because you could be taking advantage of a, of a, a person or a family who really need that money, and they don't want to miss out on the game. But it's a that's a large sum to a lot of people in Wrexham, especially when the 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 pound is so weak on the dollar at the moment, and that that amount of money maybe isn't as as much for an American who can afford to come over to to Britain in the first place. Then, like you say, on the flip side, don't want people who are coming internationally or locally to be scammed because that's that's not good for anybody involved, is it? You know, and um, just a bit of a plea, really, if it. it don't encourage people to buy tickets for extortionate monies. Don't buy tickets for extortionate money. 
and just if you fail to get a ticket, there are plenty of pubs in the local area that would absolutely welcome you with open arms. There are people out there in who are genuine who will possibly sell their ticket to you for face value or if they've got a season ticket and they can't attend the game. I know of people who, you know, Neil, you you knew somebody who was offering a ticket out last week. You know, people who yeah. are in the area just don't want their tickets to go to waste. So, yeah, that's true. Be very, away, very, very careful, isn't it? You know, go, go, go for face value. And if you really appreciate it, offer to buy him a few pints in the pub yeah. or, well, what, you know, a what pie or something. something. But just, just make sure you're buying it for face value. Or there are plenty of establishments who, that are may or may not be showing the games in town as well. So that, that's another good way to soak up the atmosphere and plow money into the local economy. Uh, and look, like the, it's the, the tickets are almost impossible to get hold of now. There's six and a half to 7,000 season ticket holders. The ground only holds just under 10,000, depending on the safety arrangements. We've got 1,000 away fans allocated usually, depending on if that allocation is taken up. It doesn't leave that many tickets left to be sold. Uh, me, me and Che, you know, we've got relatives and friends who've been going since they were, since, since oh, you know, 10, 15 years, who, who just can't get a ticket. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, if you're coming from America or anywhere else, even if it's just so, just if you're just local and you, you've only just started getting involved, don't assume you can get a ticket because they're in high, high demand at the moment. Um, and and because of that, the pubs that are in town are also full of diehard Wrexham fans who will be having just as much fun if we win and you're watching it in the pub with them. I mean, it, it's got to be emphasised strongly that Ticket sighting is a crime. It's illegal. The club have been unequivocal in pointing that out. And, you know, if you, if you indulge in it, you're in danger not only of breaking the law and getting into trouble because of that, but you're also in danger of possibly losing the right to have tickets. So it's massively important that you, you don't ticket tax. But sadly, I mean, I think this goes beyond Wrexham. You know, we live in a quite deregulated society where, you know, people who have uh, the means to try and make more money and possibly uh, are not unscrupulous are given more scope to do so. And that's that's a societal problem. So the moment you get a situation like Wrexham where suddenly <coughs> demand outstrips supply, you're going to get unscrupulous <coughs> try to profit one way or another. And, you're quite right. Some people are not trying to profit from it. Um, but yeah, I just hope, obviously, that there are ways that big clubs look to address this. And a lot of them are good. Some of them aren't. Um, but I, I just, you know, I think that hopefully I, it, we'll be able to maybe apply some of those measures. The only thing is that it's unrealistic to expect the clubs to do so in the short term because we are scaling up so massively and so quickly. How on earth are they supposed to find time to to bring in other measures? You know, there are things like, you know, a lot of Premier League teams will do their own resale, won't they? Where you can get the face value back of your tickets and they'll resell it through the club, which is obviously a good idea because they sell us at the same price. Um, but, you know... It doesn't no, smell, does it? Really, the idea. No, of- no one, no one could have. I, I feel sorry for the club on this one because no yeah. one could have anticipated the demand yeah. being this consistently high for every game. Because mm-hmm. even last year, a lot of the games were somewhere between seven and eight and a half thousand. Where yeah. it was only really towards the end of the season where it sold out every week. It wasn't impossible to get tickets last year, but consistently, week in, week out for the, for this year, it has been a sellout. So again, it's it's not it's. I, I can really genuinely sympathise if mm. six months ago you bought flights to come to Wrexham for this really um, pivotal period of the season and you're now disappointed, or if you're a local who just loved Wrexham and is now disappointed, I, I get it, but it only harms us all long-term if more and more people are buying memberships and season tickets to then resell their tickets for stupid amounts of money. Um, I actually used to do an interesting thing where, if because it's it can often be difficult to get tickets for Dutch games because of the security measures they have in place, uh, you know, caused historically by hooliganism. 
and they always used to do a thing where if you were foreign you could you could circumvent all the security stuff because you're supposed to have ID cards and things to get into matches. You could circumvent that by buying actual holiday packages. Now, there's a bit of me doesn't like that. You see teams like Man City going with um, Liverpool, going with Thomas Cook, and you think, oh, you know, this isn't going to be a, a bargain package. This is going to be a pays with nose package. Um, but there's maybe something to be said if you're trying to cater for a, a big international following of maybe setting some things aside and maybe even looking to profit by having a, a deal with the Ramada or somebody or who knows Expedia they've heard of us you know could you do could you pull something <laughs> through that but I do think as well it's not fair on the club to expect that those sort of things because they're they're too busy just trying to deal with the fact that well support is is, is mushrooming um it's a bit ambitious maybe for me to flunk that sort of idea this early you know We've just yeah. got to be patient and wait for the cop. Yeah. Once the cop fails, I think it's going to help a hell of a lot. I think the demand is going to be higher, but surely it's got a flat line at some point. And when yeah. we have the cop, the tickets will just be easier to get. And that, that's just the best for everyone. But at this moment in time, mm. we've just got to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big concern at the moment as well for the last game of the season. If it goes to the last game of the season for the title side where we're at Torquay, where they've actually allowed season ticket holders at Torquay to buy six tickets each. Ooh. I know. Ooh. And there's a big concern on the Wrexham fan site at the moment mm. that there's going to be a lot of tickets being sold by Torquay fans. If, if You know, there'll be a lot of fans going down to Rex, from Wrexham anyway, and they'll, they'll take their allocation. But there'll be, you know, if it goes down to the last game, there's going to be a lot more fans wanting to go to that game, and there's going to be, a lot of these tickets may be available through the Torquay fans who maybe have bought six tickets thinking they can make a bobbity out of this game, you know? So uh, mm. that's a big concern for me at the moment. Yeah, because that, if you're in the home end, it, there's there's an opportunity that it could kick off if you sat next to someone who is a Torquay fan and you just celebrate a bit wildly or whatever. Well, uh, I can't imagine you being in the minority if they're going to buy one ticket for themselves and five tickets are going to sell for Yeah, true. So, so it's probably not... A- there's not many Torquay fans anyway, let's be fair. But well, the way the season's going, they might not want to go anyway. Yeah. Unless they want to lynch the team. So, yeah, that's a big concern for me at the end of the season. Mm. Well, well, hopefully we've won the league by then. That's what I'm hoping. A, a big jolly. Which I'd, I'd love for us... I'd, what I'd love for us to do, if we won the league by Torquay, we do the last game of the season in fancy dress because the first, last game... Of the EFL, <laughs> yeah. <in> <laughs> the last one in the National League should be in fancy dress too. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, another another aspect of it that I don't want to see happening really is is any uh, resentment towards international fans because mm. let's be honest, no. we wouldn't be in the position mm. that we were in if there wasn't this international interest that we're getting. But if the if local people start to 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 see elements of this and take exception to it. it it would really be a shame to to break up what has become a, been a very very good feel good factor thing at the moment mm. I, I mean i can't see that happening anytime soon but they're just it's happening already it's happening already <laughs> well yeah it is it is slightly i would say to a degree yeah. but you know yeah. i think most Wrexham fans uh, it, it's like anything isn't it there's always a minority of people who are a little bit willing to stick the knife in in any aspect of society but Hopefully that's just kind of one of those things. Again, it comes back to the tension and the, the fact that we've got such an important run in and home fans maybe feel a little bit, uh, local fans feel a little bit entitled to be there. People who are traveling from abroad might feel a bit entitled because they've come from this sort of distance. It 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 could be a recipe for disaster if if it's if people don't handle it in the right way, which I, I really don't want to see. No, I totally agree. I'm sure most people are, as you say, on the right side of this and i think we just have to make sure that we all make it clear that we are, we are an incredibly welcoming town and an incredibly welcoming club and people who try to complain about it aren't representative of us i think that's sort of yeah. the only reasonable stance we can have isn't it really yeah 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 you, you spoke to that lovely family after the game didn't you mark on saturday yeah. so yeah american fans were there a couple and their kids the kids are waiting for autographs and yeah, it was just, it, it was lovely. It's just brilliant when you, 
you know, whether you interact with people online or whether you actually meet people face to face, it's brilliant. I, I am I sad? Um, when I well, yeah, I'm sad. You know that. I don't know why I asked the question, but am I sad because I? When I see messages like after the a game, sort of people saying I had a great time, I want to message them and say, "Oh, you could have come and said hello to us." It's been, it's, just, it's lovely. It's it's fantastic. It's it's such a treat to have this happening at our club. I, I don't know. Absolutely, it's extremely unique as well. Mm. Every other club would love it, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, yeah, amazing. And that's why we, you know. We are. We, there's a lot of fans who are giving us stick at this moment in time from other, and a lot of giving us support as well because they're jealous because what we've got is completely unique in world football. It is. Of other than um, you know, your big six um, Premier League sides or your Premier League sides in general, I've never heard, I've never seen such a, an interest from mm. North America in a football side. It's crazy, it, isn't it? No, we we must have one of the biggest growing fan bases in in the football pyramid in the UK, apart from maybe the Premiership teams. I'd say we're the fastest growing team in world football, to be honest, Neil. And I, I don't think that's an unfair statement to say, or or big headed. Just just, no, just no, look no. at the, the the percentage increase that we've had. It's in terms of gates, it's it's over fifty. You know, it's over double, nearly triple. We could you could you could feasibly say that we used to get average attendance of what around 3,500, 4,000 that it's nearly, we've nearly tripled our attendance on a regular basis. Our away attendances have become incredible. Although I would say that is mostly local and the people that have just now taken a bit more of an interest. Our shirt sales are, are doubling, tripling, whatever it is. It's, it's cr- what, what other, what other club can say that they, that they've had that kind of exponential growth in the last five, 10 years. Yeah, especially when you see we've got like Brazilian fan club now. We've got Colombian. Oh, fan that's club. that's brilliant! I love that Brazilian commentary. Chase Chase sent that to me a couple of weeks ago. That's oh, it's it's ace that. I want to see more of that. I had people from other countries, like you speak other languages, I want to hear your commentary definitely. Mm-hmm. We should do that, shouldn't we? We should put an, an appeal out. Commentaries on this goal in your language. That'd be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be yeah. amazing. I, I just I, I can't help reflecting on the fact that I was writing the preview for the website of the South End game, and I was saying how when we played South End through the eighties, the smallest crowds, and this is all in the football league, remember, was nine hundred and thirty-five. Wow! And the biggest was something like two thousand and eleven, and frankly, the only reason it was that big was because it was something like it was the first home game of the season and we'd won our two away games previously so there was an unusual amount of interest in us so 2,000 people turned up for the first game of the season I mean and you think about now it's astonishing isn't it but Mark I, I don't think it's just the takeover I think uh, low league football in general has got a lot more interest in it yeah. you know compared to when I was young you know not many people watch low league football but now I think post pandemic people are realising you know what, I'm really enjoying going to watch my local side. You know, yeah. Look at Knox County's um, attendances. Look at uh, York City, South End. Oldham's. Mm. Yeah. It, it, the, the attendances are high across the board. And I, I think it's fantastic because for me, National League and Football League football is so much more entertaining. The, the title race in the National League is so much more thrilling than what the Premier League is this season, in my opinion. Do you think, right, and maybe uh, putting two and two together and making Apple, but um, that's algebra for you, uh, is, <laughs> do you think VAR has something to do with this? Yeah. Like I said, that goal against South End, I'm commentating on it. I think it's a foul. I say it's a foul, but then instantly I see the referee and linesman not giving a foul, and I can then react to it. Whereas if that was happening in a Premier League game, there would be five a five minute delay while everyone stands around scratching their backsides and picking their noses, and <laughs> nobody knows what's going on. And I mean, I certainly, you know, I I I'll pick a side when I'm watching a game on the telly, and I'll celebrate. You know, usually when Man United yeah. like, uh, let a goal in, uh, and <laughs> I I mean, quite frankly, I don't anymore when I watch it on TV because my mm. immediate thought when the ball goes in is, oh, we'll have to see now. 
That's not really what sport's about, is it? That great climactic moment of, oh, oh, I've been waiting for this all my life. Oh, we'll have to wait and see now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's not what it's supposed to be in the National League. No. It is. You hit the back of the net, you go nuts. No linesman, no flag. Hey, he was good. Well, I remember on the flip side of that, um, during COVID, it, obviously all the gate, all the Premier League games are on TV. Everyone during the lockdowns, I mean, me and Shane must have watched so much bloody football when the, when it came yeah. back on. We watched every game that was physically possible, really, didn't we? And then if the first live game back, it was almost weird that there wasn't going to be a VAR check every time a goal went in. It's a bit like, oh, can we? Oh yeah, we can celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're conditioned. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree, and I think the big, the big clubs. Um, so the Premier League is so out of touch with the rest of the football pyramid, and out of touch with working class people. Where I think people think, you know what, I could actually instead of going to watch Man United once this month, mm. I could go watch my local side for the whole, for the for all the fixtures that's that for two months. Mm. You know what I mean? It, the, 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 Local football is a lot more appealing to people because people haven't got as much money anymore as well, but still want to continue football. Well, look at us, Che, when when there hasn't been a a Wrexham fixture on on a Saturday for whatever reason, we've gone to Bellevue Park to watch the Bellevue FC team, or you've gone up with your lads to watch Brickfield. You know, we would never have done that before COVID, would we? No. Never in a million years. exactly, yeah. And it's... Yeah, I tell you what, local football, including National League, with your local side, it's so much better to go watch that than the Premier League. And I, I've completely fallen out of love with the Premier League. It's not, it's not football anymore. I, I think, I think VAR is rubbish. You know, you look at the Nick Pope situation on Sunday. Um, it was a clear penalty. That was a clear penalty, and that wasn't given. You know, VAR was meant to make football bulletproof, but it's actually just made it. Even it's made it worse, and I and I hope VAR doesn't creep down the lower leagues. In my opinion, well, I I did see something the other day that they're talking about having a VAR light, aren't they? So that the lower leagues can have like a a slightly lighter version of VAR. So it's not as many cameras, not as many different reasons that you can call it for. But it's like a you know, like when you've got a, a subscription package to something, and there's like a gold and a silver tier that you can have less features <laughs> with a silver tier, but you, you still sort of got it. Like I think that there is talk that they're going to start offering that down the pyramid, which I absolutely hate the idea of because it's bad enough. Good luck with that in the National League. Yeah, don't give me a half version, you know, especially in the National League. Like, could you imagine some of the decisions that would happen? <laughs> I like the idea of um, like a sort of cheap version of VAR for the lower divisions, like the referee comes across the side of the pitch, but the, the, but the, you have, it's up the screen's on wheels and there's two people pushing it really quickly from side to side, so he can't actually see it still. He's got to like keep up with it and make the best best guess he can. Just well, like one of those Stockley Park. One of those, like, <laughs> one of those old school, you, you'll know this being a teacher, Mark, like that the big CRT TVs on the wheels that when it was a snow day or a rainy day, it would just get wheeled into the classroom <laughs> yeah. with a video recorder at the bottom. <laughs> oh, I used to that in Yale when I was a student there. They put on Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> so the, the vice principal was obsessed with, and quite right, he got me into it. It was beautiful, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was great. You should pray for snow just so you can see um, the, the, the beast in the cave of Caradog. Uh, the holy, the holy grenade of Antioch. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful stuff. Uh, VAR, nah, I'm not into it. I think it's what you no. said there, Chade. The idea of it making sport the football bulletproof because that's how the media pushed it really hard by saying that. Yeah. If they'd said it will make more decisions correct, we might have been a bit more forgiving of it. But instead, they deliberately, I, I think, deliberately pushed the idea that there'll be no more controversy because then the, if Bunce is brought in, you've got miles more controversy and the media can really go to town on it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not a fan, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm comfortable <laughs> with the idea that referees are honest and they're making their own decisions and as best they can. Although, having said that, remember when Mullin had scored two penalties and then they handled the ball in the box? So they should have brought VAR in for that just to give us mm. a chance to score the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably on that occasion. And the Sean Pearson foul on the goalie in the Eastley 
playoff, but nothing else. Yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. else. No, yeah. no, no other controversial mulling, uh, disallowed goals or anything like that that could be no. mentioned previously in the podcast. <laughs> quite right. Quite. Anyway, <laughs> so. That's the end of the show. Uh, one little thing that I do want to mention really quickly. Uh, Jay Bailey on Twitter, who's a, a regular uh, Ask Wrexham uh, commenter, uh, has set up, or, or well, it's not just him. There's a, there's a big group of people that have uh, set up a fundraiser for Welsh Women's Aid. We've kind of run over time today, so we will talk about it a little bit more because it is linked to the women's, uh, the big women's game that's taking place next week, which we'll cover that as well. But please go and check out the, ha- the hashtag Ask WXM, have a look at what's going on there. Donate if you can. It's a really, really good cause. It'd be fantastic if we can get as many people behind it. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Like and subscribe to everything. We're by Carrier Pigeon, um, Messenger Giraffe, every good uh, platform that you can possibly get on. (laughs) (laughs) We have been uh, Neil Williams, Jay Long, Mark Griffiths and Bill Long. I'm Aaron Hayden and this is Dragon Hearts. 